Well, I'm so excited to be talking about our topic today. This is the second message in our series, Treatment. And today we're going to talk about repairing relationships. And I want to give a big welcome to everybody in the sanctuary. So good to have you guys. And also, I want to be, give a big welcome to everyone watching through live stream. And it's great that we can connect with you no matter where you are. So I love that part of it. One thing we, you'll, you'll know is that if you spend enough time with anyone, you're eventually going to get hurt. So we all have to deal with forgiveness at some point in our lives. And sometimes that forgiveness is deep and, and just excruciating. And other times, it's a little easier to release and to give. You might be surprised to know that relationships actually have a lot in common with household plumbing. And for example, let's say that you have a clog in your sink. That could be like some kind of small hurt in your life. You just get the Drano out, pour the Drano in, you're good to go. Or maybe it's there's a bigger clog you have to take care of, like when your son tries to send an action figure swimming in the ocean and it gets stuck in your toilet, you have to take the toilet off to get the action figure out. Some things take a little more work. And then sometimes your entire house can get clogged up and nothing gets out of the house. I actually know what that is like. It's not very pleasant. That is when you pick up the phone and call the professionals. And so what happened is that he came to my house, and this guy knows his stuff, and started tapping my pipes. And he would tap because he, he could tell just by hearing whether or not the pipes were empty, full, or half full. Every pipe he tapped was full. So my house is full of sewage in the pipes. And we walked around outside three times looking for this thing called a clean-out, and we could not find it. And this is where the clean-out was. Let's see the picture of the clean-out. This is in my basement. That's not a good place for a clean out, just so you know. Just so you know. We didn't know what was going on, and so the plumber came up to me and said, Glenn, I'm going to have to take the cap off of this. <laughs> yeah, you know what's going to happen. And when that happens, you don't want to be here. <laughs> and so he got a bucket and whoever, who knows what else, and unscrewed that cap, and I heard all kinds of things, him saying all kinds of things. And uh, I don't know what I said. One thing that did make me laugh, he says, why didn't I stay in school? <laughs> why didn't I get that other job? Well, sometimes the problems in life require professional help. Sometimes they require outside help. And it's a good thing to ask for that help. And, so, and sometimes they take a lot of work on our part. For example, I thought I was finished when he opened the clean out and he was going to fix things. But no, my problem was actually outside because the dirt right outside my house had pushed down on the pipe, leaving my house, connecting to the sewage treatment, wherever that goes, who knows. And it had sheared off the pipe. And there was only a little spot where these two pipes overlapped where the water could get through. And of course, there was no water getting through. And so I had to dig a hole four feet in diameter, about five feet deep, so they could replace and repair this pipe and put this up. This is my favorite picture in my house. <laughs> this is the outdoor clean-out. So now if there's a clog, it's not going to stink up my house again. Now, you know what it feels like to have someone hurt you. You know what it feels like to have a relationship broken in your life. And when you're hurt, you have two responses. You can get bitter, 
or you can get better. Which brings us to our scripture today. It's found in Hebrews 12, just two verses, verse 14 and verse 15. If you would stand in honor of reading God's word. You might wonder why we stand. We stand in honor of reading God's word because it is the source of our strength. It's what we base everything we do upon. And so we stand in his honor and him speaking to us through his word. Hear the words of Hebrews 12. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Then see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Thank you. You may be seated. Now we know the only way to heal a relationship that's been damaged is through forgiveness. If you've been hurt, you offer forgiveness to the other person. If you're the one who did the hurting, you ask for forgiveness. Now this is difficult. This is like, you got to put your big boy pants on for this. This is not for sissies. Because when you bring up that pain of the past, when you bring up those challenges and those struggles, it's hard because it brings that pain back. And there's some lies that we believe that keep us from repairing relationships. There's lies we believe that keep us from forgiving. And lie number one is this. It's that revenge will make me feel better. Now let's be honest. One of the big reasons we don't forgive or don't want to forgive is because we want to get them back. We want to get even. And our culture kind of plays on this. Hollywood kind of takes advantage of us. In fact, I looked up a list of over 400 movies at Wikipedia that are based on revenge. And I saw some of my favorite movies on there. You know what it's like when, you know, the bad guy does something to the hero's wife or his child or something like that, and then the rest of the movie is the hero getting back the bad guy. And we all cheer when the bad guy gets it. We love it. In fact, I remember years ago, you know, there's like been like 50 Rocky movies. You know, one of the first movies, 20 years ago, I was watching with a bunch of my friends, and when Rocky knocked out Drago, everybody stood up and clapped and cheered, you know, because he was the bad guy, you know. That's just how we feel. We just, there's this glorification of revenge. In fact, there's this statement which is completely, completely wrong, which our culture perpetuates. It says revenge is, not revenge is bad, not revenge is hurtful, but revenge is sweet. And there's nothing sweet about revenge except for the thought of it. The rest of it is painful. It just makes things worse every single time. The scripture passage we just read in Hebrews says that this bitterness that will grow inside you and defile you and a whole host of other people. Bitterness is a poison that affects everything about you. It affects the way you feel, the way you think, the way you act, and the way you talk. And according to this verse, it's contagious too. It has an effect on other people. You see, your pain leaks out. The hurts that you've experienced leak out. It affects how you trust people. It, it also affects how you talk. And when you talk that way, you draw other people who've been hurt into your pain as well. When we're hurt, we feel like the picture of this fox coming up on the screen. And we want to get him back. We want to get the hunter back. Uh, this picture makes me laugh, but then it's, it's kind of sad when you think about it because that fox is dead. You know, he's got his arm around the gun, but that fox has really been shot. And that's an accurate picture of you and me when we grab a hold of revenge. You see, the second you grab the gun and put that person who hurt you in your sights, part of you dies. And it won't be long before 
you're stuffed with the emptiness of loneliness. And your eyes are glazed over by bitterness and hatred. So don't be like that fox. The Bible has a lot to say about revenge. One of the most often quoted phrases or passages about revenge says this. It says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Now this came from Deuteronomy 32, 35. But the Apostle Paul quoted it in Romans 12, 19, and also the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 30. And so when you, when you hear this phrase, vengeance is mine, I want you to think of a father walking in on his son playing with his gun. And the father says to the son, that is mine. That is dangerous. You never, ever play with that. Do, do not ever touch that. You see, revenge is a loaded gun. What happens is that when we try to get revenge on someone, it's like taking a gun and shooting ourselves with it, hoping that the recoil of the gun would hurt the other person. It just doesn't work. You always hurt yourself more than the other person. It can't change the past. It doesn't correct the problem. It doesn't change the person. It just brings hurt and misery. Now, here's the great irony of revenge. You think that when you execute revenge, that will make your pain go away but it actually makes your pain greater. You know how this works. Whether you are a child or a parent or a spouse or you have a roommate, you know, if you're around people enough, you're going to get hurt. And maybe there's a time when you decide, you know, they did that to me, I'm going to do this to them. Now tell me, how did that work for you? Probably not so good. When I've done that, it made me feel worse. It made the other person feel worse. It did not bring any understanding. You see, revenge, it makes things worse every single time. Every time you act on this thought, I'm going to make him pay, you're the one who writes the check out. It will cost you every time. So listen to your mama's advice. What did your mama tell you? Two wrongs don't make a... That's right. Mama knows. So lie number two, another lie that, that can keep us from forgiving people and repairing relationships is this. I can forgive quickly. You see, the energy it takes to forgive someone is directly proportional to the pain the other person has caused you. Perhaps you've had someone uh, come up to you and say, I just need to apologize to you. And you're kind of scratching your head wondering, now what are they talking about? I'm, I can't really remember. And then they kind of explain the details and it all comes back. Well, see, a lot of life is just letting those things go. You just forgive and move on. You make the choice to forgive and it's over. But the real pain in life comes when someone betrays your trust, intentionally hurts you, or takes advantage of you in selfish ways. There are people in this room, and you've had your parents abuse you. There are people in this room, you've had your spouse cheat on you. People in this room have been stolen from. They've been lied to and lied about. Unthinkable things have happened to more people than you can imagine. And when those bad things happen, it feels like this, a hatchet in the middle of your chest. And that pain is great. And that pain is real. And the problem is, is that you have to try to get rid of this hatchet. And then we deal with things and we think we bury the hatchet in the ground only to find out a couple weeks later it comes right back. I knew someone uh, for a long time, longtime friend, and they betrayed my trust in a huge way. I mean, I felt like the biggest fool. They completely fooled me, took advantage of our relationship and our trust, and I was angry. 
I dealt with it for a couple days and talked with a friend of mine, and he helped me process it and said, okay, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm done with this. No more problems with this. Well, two weeks later, he came back. Say, Glenn, how's it going with this specific circumstance? I said, fine. I'm doing great. Quit asking me about it. He just looked at me and smiled. I said, okay, I've got to deal with this all over again. You see, bitterness, it's hazardous material. It's like radioactive. It, this spite and revenge and hate, it eats away at your soul. It steals your joy and sucks the life out of your most important relationships. If you want to be crippled emotionally, just refuse to forgive. If you want to feel alone, like everyone is out to get you, then just hold on to it. In fact, there's even a correlation between bitterness and cancer. It can even affect your health. It will cut you off from God and every single important relationship in your life. If you let it go long enough, it will destroy you. So I want to talk a little bit about the process of forgiveness. What does forgiveness look like? What does it mean to bury that hatchet for good and get rid of it? And the first thing we need to do is to face your pain. And so spell it out and be specific. Because you can't really deal with something that's ambiguous. You have to kind of define the problem. We all have this impulse to hide our pain and to mask it over, say, oh, I'm fine, I'm doing okay, even when we're really not. And that doesn't help. You see, because we're just stuffing it. And when you stuff things and you stuff pain, it's kind of like this. It just builds pressure. And all that pain builds pressure. And the longer you hold on to it, the more problems, just the least little thing can set it off. And you can, I know I'm making a lot of you nervous, aren't I? <laughs> and you know what that mess looks like, don't you? When it all comes out and it all blows up. And so when you define your pain, you face your pain, it allows you to deal with it. So a great starting point is to get a pen and paper and just write out, write out what happened to you. Look at these statements on the screen. Here's some questions I want to challenge you to answer. You don't have to write them down. They're in your notes in your bulletin. But the first one is this, what happened? Lay out the details. This is what happened, lay it out, write it out. How did I feel? Put that down too, you felt betrayed, taken advantage of, hurt. Then how did it impact me? In other words, what changed about your life because of this? What different choices did you make because of this? How has this impacted other relationships you've had since then? And number four, how can I move on? Maybe there's some things that'll come to your mind that you've done that have kind of short-circuited the process of forgiveness. And so once you write it down, I want to challenge you to confess it. Confess it to a trusted friend. Because there's something about writing it down and sharing it with someone that brings clarity and focus to what you're dealing with. So you know precisely what's going on and how to address it. And we all know what it's like. Every single person in this room has talked about something challenging, something hurtful to a friend or family member. In the process of sharing, it brings healing. And so the second thing I want to challenge you to do in the process of forgiveness is to release your offender. I think this story might help drive this point home. I want you to imagine that you are traveling with your husband and your two little children, and you're visiting your family at Christmas time. And you realize that the kids aren't in school, so the kids can spend an extra week or two with grandma and grandpa when your husband comes back to work. 
And so you have a great time. And you know how it works with little children. The smaller the children, the bigger the gifts. And so you're traveling back with these huge boxes, huge suitcases, car seats, stroller, diaper bags, snacks, things to entertain, a baby and a toddler. And so you are loaded to the hilt. You're on the airplane, and of course, your husband was so nice, and he bought you a direct flight home. No, he didn't. He was cheap. And of course, your layover was delayed, and so your plane coming in landed with giving you about three minutes to get to your connecting flight, which was on the other side of the terminal. And so imagine the picture. Stroller holding on to your other child with one child strapped in, two car seats, and all your carry-ons, and you're running like Hussein Bolt through the airport. And you make it just in time for them to close the doors behind you and you to sit down. You take a deep breath and they push off to start taxing down the runway and they go, oops, there's a problem. You have to sit here for an hour and a half while we fix it. So needless to say, your flight finally comes in and you think, I'm going to be so glad to have my wonderful husband there to help me with all this stuff and his kids. And so you land and you come out of the safety check area and you're at the baggage claim area and no husband. Oh, he'll be here soon. Don't worry, he'll be here soon. And so beep, 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 here comes all the stuff. So you watch the two children, the diaper bag, all the car seats, everything else, and you're unloading these huge boxes and these big suitcases that are bigger than your children. And you've got all this stuff. And of course, this is happening right after 9-11 and everything is a bomb. The boxes are a bomb. You have to push all this stuff in a special area, and you know, you're kind of treated like a terrorist. And so finally, you, you wait about 30 minutes. You think, where's my husband? I think I'll call him. But you can't use your cell phone because your husband's too cheap to get you a cell phone. So you go get change, and you walk over to this box on a wall, and you put money in this box. It's called a payphone. And then you pick it up, and you dial... And the first ring, your husband answers. He says, hey, honey. And you say, what are you doing? And your husband says, I'm just cleaning up. I can't wait to come pick you up tomorrow. It's like, I've been here 45 minutes. Now, at that point, the husband doesn't remember anything about the conversation other than the closing words, do not get a ticket. And so as you figured out, I'm the husband... And so I hop in the car and drive 90 minutes, an hour and a half, to the airport. And on the way, I'm having these flashbacks of this old show I've seen uh, called Divorce Court. <laughs> and I'm imagining the judge, you know, banging the gavel down. This is the first time ever we've issued the death penalty in Divorce Court. And so I pull into the terminal get out of the car and get ready to load everything up. And my wife comes to greet me, and here's what she does. She gives me a hug, a kiss, and a smile. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. I know, I'm a lucky man. God has blessed me. Now, on the way home, uh, I got my courage up. Because, you know, in a moment like that, he's like, you say, Glenn, don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Do whatever you do, don't screw it up. So I got my courage up, cleared my throat. And <clears throat> so, honey, uh, you sure seem like you're in a good mood considering the circumstances. Here's what Leslie told me. 
she said, I was really mad for about 45 minutes. But then after that, I was just too tired. <laughs> I just want to go home and go to bed. You see, it's obvious what her forgiveness did for me. But think about what it did for her. You see, all that tension, all that anger, all that resentment and bitterness, you know, she could have milked that for months or years or maybe forever. But no, she wanted to be free of that. And so she was setting me free, but in the, in the context of that, she set herself free. Now, I know that there are a lot of people in this room, you've had worse things happen to you than your husband leaving you at the airport with two little kids. But imagine how you'll feel when you let that go. It's so good to be free. And so your challenge is to release your offender, is to walk away from it, to bury that hatchet. And the number one reason that we say that we don't want to forgive people is because they don't deserve it. I didn't deserve to be forgiven. The reality of it is, neither does your offender deserve to be forgiven. And let's be honest, you don't deserve to be forgiven either. No one does. But don't be confused. You're forgiving for your sake. It's not for the other person. It's for you. It's because you want to be free. This is one time when being selfish is really helpful. I mean, it'll help you to think about yourself first and not put the other person first. You see, Jesus, he's very serious about forgiveness. I want you to consider what he had to say about forgiving others. The Lord's Prayer, it's the most prayed prayer in all of history. More people have prayed that prayer than any other prayer on earth. And immediately after that prayer, in Matthew 5, the words of Jesus himself, in Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, verse 14, Jesus said these words, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. I've read this before, but I just kind of like, I just kind of keep going. Let's not think about that verse. Let's just keep moving. But it's there. Jesus said it. You see, if you refuse to give, you can nullify your own forgiveness and potentially even send yourself to hell. The only other sin I can think of that's in this category is the sin of blasphemy. And blasphemy is basically just rejecting God. Now, God didn't just arbitrarily pick unforgiveness as the thing that will keep us from forgiving you. So why is an unwillingness to forgive such a big deal? You see, when you hold on to bitterness, when you hold on to resentment and revenge, you can't hold on to Jesus. When you hold on to your pain, you can't receive the love of God. So your challenge is not to think, why won't God forgive me if I don't forgive this person? You need to ask yourself this question, why won't I let this go? Why won't I let it go? And don't give that person who hurt you control over your life. You want to be free. Now, my last point of advice in dealing with forgiveness and forgiving the other person is to pray for the person who hurt you. Now, you're tempted to tune me out because that's a really churchy answer and it's, you know, pray, read your Bibles, answer to everything. But the reality of it is that Praying for the person who hurt you really works. Now, if your prayer is like, Dear God, I pray that you would strike them dead with fire from heaven. <laughs> that won't help. I've tried that before. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. That doesn't help. 
I want you to consider the words of Jesus. He said these words in Matthew 5, 44. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You've heard that verse, but I began to think about what does that really mean? To love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Does that mean, hey, call up that person who hurt you and say, hey, let's go shopping today and then we'll have lunch. Lunch is on me, okay? Then we can sit together and hold hands and we'll pray together. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. No. Look, you don't have to like being with them. You don't even have to friend them on Facebook or follow them on Instagram. But you do need to forgive them. In all honesty, I may be wrong in this, but I think there are some things that are just humanly impossible to forgive. I hear things on the news or hear stories from other people, and I just think that's just impossible to forgive. I don't even know how that's possible. That's why Jesus asked you to pray for your enemies. In the act of prayer and reaching for God's love, you see something supernatural happens inside of you. You see, your prayer for that offender opens your heart to the power of God like nothing else. Don't miss the irony here. Jesus commands that you pray for your offender because that's the best way that he can set you free. Your prayers to that person who hurt you may be the only way that you find healing and strength. So face your pain. Release your offender. Pray for the person who hurt you. Let it go. Walk away from that offense. And when that hatchet comes back, it reappears in your chest. Pull it out. Throw it down. And run away from it. Because you will find that over time, the hatchet will reappear less and less. And eventually, you'll be able to forget about it and move on. Back to our passage today, Hebrews 12, 15 says, don't miss the grace of God because of bitterness. Don't let that bitterness you know, make you miss out on the grace that God has for your life, the freedom that he wants you to have. Well, here's the million-dollar question. How do I know when I've forgiven someone? And it's really hard to define that. And I like how Jesus talked to Peter with this. You see, Peter came up to Jesus and he said, Lord, how many times should I forgive another person? Seven? Now, I don't know where Peter came up with the number seven, but there's probably this guy who had been pestering him and just made him crazy. He's like, he's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's messed with me eight times. Okay. But see, if you do the math, you're going to miss the point. If you make a chart with 490 checkboxes on it and you start checking off the checkboxes of all the times this person has offended you, just waiting to get to 491. Woo. You've missed the point. The point is this. You keep forgiving until the feelings of revenge and hate stop coming back. That's when you're done. I like this statement by Rob Bell. I think it really sums up and reflects these words of Jesus. Read them up as they come up on the screen. It says this. You haven't forgiven someone until you can wish them well. You haven't forgiven someone until you can wish them well. I think this is what it means to forgive someone from the heart. When you pray for your enemies, you'll end up here. You'll want the best for them. I think it's like the litmus test of forgiveness. You know, the litmus test, it measures the acidity. And so you know that when you can wish them well, that the acid in your heart towards this person is gone. Once you can genuinely wish them well, you are free. That hatchet can rot in the ground. The hatred is dissolved. And for the most part, 
the pain is in the past. And it's so good to be free. It's so good to be free. It's wonderful. And I know so many people in this room who've worked through things and they're free. And they will stand up here and tell you the same thing. More than your offender deserves to get their due, you deserve to be free. Think about how this will impact your relationships. Think about how this will impact your connection with God. It will remove all this interference that's been in the way and you can connect with him fully and completely. It's worth the hard work. It's worth facing the pain. Listen to these words. Just like Jesus wants to set you free from your own sin, he wants to set you free from the sins of others against you. Now, you might not be able to be done with it today. It may be a process for you. And it will be for most of us. It's a journey. But let me challenge you to make the most of what God is doing in your life today. I want to challenge you to maybe take a step that's awkward for you. When we come up to sing in a moment, maybe you'll come up to one of these kneelers and pray, do some business with God. If you'll look in your bulletin, you'll notice this red card. And I want to challenge you during the closing song or even after the closing song, just take this red card and drop it in one of these white boxes. There's one in the corner and then two up front, another one in the corner over here. If you want, you can write maybe a couple words on it that kind of define what you've been through. Just a memory marker for you. I'm not going to read any of these, but I'm going to pray over them. And later on this week, I'm going to take them in the backyard and burn them. It's just a symbolic act of letting go of the pain in your life. And I know that there's nothing magical about this. It may seem a little goofy to you. But when I was praying, God placed this on my heart because he wants you to be able to take a step today. Because you know that every step you take is an important one. And so let me challenge you, wherever you're at, Maybe you're going to just do business with God right there. That's fine. But I want to challenge you to take a step towards healing, to find that freedom, find that hope. So would you stand with me as we pray, and then we'll sing together. Jesus, we come to you right now, and first of all, we thank you that you have forgiven us, that you have set us free from our sins. Thank you that we are cleansed, that that you've made us white as snow. And Lord, we also ask that the same forgiveness that you've given us, let us extend that to others. And Lord, I pray for my friends all over the room. I know there are people here who are hurting right now in the midst of pain and betrayal. Lord, thank you, God, that you know exactly how they feel. Thank you that you're giving them the strength that they need to take the next step. And Lord, together we pray, be free in Jesus' name. We pray, be whole. Let go of that resentment. Let go of that bitterness. Walk free from the sins of others against you. So Jesus, thank you that you, st you stand there, resurrected, that all sins are paid for, that all we need to do is receive it from you. So Lord, bless my friends as they come forward to pray, do business where they are, maybe even drop off a red card. Lord, whether they're in the sanctuary or here or watching on live stream at home, we can do business with you, God. We pour our hearts out to you and receive everything that you have for us. We don't want to miss your grace, which is so great. We love you so much. We know you're going to help us every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.